Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. This week we've got another one of our grid career podcasts for you. Alice Knight, one of the new presenters at Dragon Bites, is joined by endocrine grid trainee Georgina Williams to discuss how to apply for and interview for the endocrine grid post. So, let's get started. Hi there, my name's Alice and I'm the Dragon Bites um, host for today. Um, and we have got the lovely Georgina with us. So, um, do you want to just introduce yourself, Georgina, and let us know a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, uh, hi, I'm Georgina. I'm a grid trainee in paediatric endocrinology and diabetes at Bristol and Cardiff. So I've just finished um, my year in Cardiff working with you, Alice, as well. Yeah. Um, and now I'm back in Bristol, which is where I, I started. Oh, and we miss you over in Wales. Um, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> You have the joy of coming over to us for the COVID season, so um, a bit of a funny time. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about um, your sort of medical career to date? Uh, yeah, of course. So I um, took a fairly long and winding route, but I can mm -hmm. um, hopefully condense it a bit for you. Um, so after doing my A-levels, um, I didn't get the A-level grades to go and do medicine and went through clearing and ended up doing medical biochemistry at Birmingham. Um, and I completed my degree there and then went on to do medicine after that um, at UCL. Um, in fact, it was Royal Free and University College Medical School at the time. Um, and then after I um, was there, I went and did my foundation years in London and then um, applied to do paediatrics. I stayed in London until ST4 um, when I then moved to Seven Deanery um, and did part of my ST4 in, in Seven um, and then carried on until ST6. Uh, during my ST6 year, that's when I really got a, um, lots of experience in doing diabetes and endocrinology at Bristol. Um, I managed to have a whole year, year doing it, which was excellent. Um, and following on from that, I went and did a PhD um, with Professor Hamilton Shield, who is um, one of the uh, professors in endocrinology and diabetes um, at Bristol. Um, and then after that, I... Um, spent four years doing my PhD because I also had my children during that time and then I came back and have completed my um, grid so I'm now doing my um, I've done my ST7 year and I'm doing my ST8 year. Wow that's a quite a journey that you've been on sort of going sort of all sort of back all the way to, to London and to Seven and then over to Wales um, and um, doing a PhD and raising a family during that time it's quite incredible. Yeah, so I did a little tour of universities as well along the way. So that was always fun as too. <laughs> and what made you, sort of going back um, a few steps, what made you choose paediatrics in the first place? Um, so 
I knew from quite an early age that I wanted to do medicine, um, was very interested um, both in the science of, of biology and humans, but also um, in, in caring for people as well. Um, and then I was very lucky when I was 16, I got to go over to Canada and actually do some work experience with a paediatrician over there. Um, and really, I, I absolutely loved it and decided that this was definitely going to be the career for me. Um, I loved the interaction with the children mixed with with, with the science and the detective work that goes on in, in paediatrics. Um, yeah, so having lots of fun with kids whilst also um, learning lots about, about science. Absolutely. Well, it is obviously the most fun speciality. We know that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> You've explained sort of um, why paediatrics and then what, um, what sort of drew you into endocrine? Um, so I, I had a number of opportunities of, of getting experience in endocrinology. I did it um, in my, I think it was uh, ST2 year. Um, it was a long time ago, so I'm trying to remember exactly which year. Um, so when I did my ST2, I did um, adolescent medicine and endocrinology at UCL. Um, so got some experience of it it then and really learned at that point, you know, that it was a really holistic um, subject particularly diabetes, where you get to see children for, you know, over a long period of time and really get to know their families and understand the dynamics and um, some of the barriers to them continuing to look after their diabetes and how you can really work with them and help them to, to understand their condition, but also help to motivate them um, in their life in general, as well as with their diabetes care. Um, so that was fascinating. And then from the endocrine side, um, it's it's really a, a subject that's changing all the time. There's lots of um, evidence-based medicine, so lots of research going on, which is really interesting. There's lots of opportunities to um, collaborate and to um, work with people from all around the world. I've been very lucky um, going to some fellow schools um, with ESPI, which is the European Society of Pediatric Endocrinology. Um, doing these things really made me realise that it's a, a you know such a varied and interesting um, subject with lots of opportunities. That sounds very inspirational. I'm like, <laughs> like, ooh, maybe endocrine. Well, I think the other thing about endocrine is some of what we do is helping people to understand because we're looking at growth and puberty some of what we're doing is actually reassuring families and telling them about what's normal and the, and the normal variations that go on in, in human beings which is also um, really fascinating and is is lovely to be able to do that for people who obviously may have anxieties that um, once we're able to explain things to them can can melt away so I'm just like I'm just kind of like mesmerized by um by all all the different aspects of this now. <laughs> um, I was just Aww. so you've obviously you you've sort of done quite a lot of your training now and coming towards the end of your training, um, and you've also managed to to do uh, accomplished a PhD during that time as well. Um, how long have you got until you sort of um complete until you CCT and become a consultant? So I'm um, working less than full time. Um, so I have a year left, my ST8 year, um, mm -hmm. but will take me to July 21, which is when I, I should CCT at that point. Whoop, whoop. So not, not so long to go. <laughs> <laughs> not after the journey that you've been on to get here. No, so. it's, it's been a while. So yes, yeah. <laughs> and what would you say, um, I think we've kind of like covered some aspects and it's really clear that you're really 
um, passionate about um, endocrine and diabetes. But um, what would you say is the most rewarding part of your job? I think it is one of the one of the lovely things about endocrine is is the fact it's it's quite clinic based and we do spend quite a lot of time getting to know the families. We have to see them. They may be on um, long term medication, particularly with diabetes, obviously, but in other conditions as well, where we do need to monitor them at regular points. So our children who are on growth hormone, for example, or our children who we are taking through puberty, and we really get to go on that journey with them to see um, how the um, treatment that we're giving them can change for them, but also um, to see them grow and develop. And that's that's really lovely. And I think is one of the, the most rewarding parts of our job. And to see how that changes the parents as well when they first come to us and their anxieties and how we can then help to, to really make a difference to their lives and hopefully to their futures as well. Amazing. Um, so um, more about the sort of training itself. Um, what does um, training... Um, sort of subspecializing in um, endocrine and diabetes. What does that actually look like? What does it involve? So for grid training, it's either a two or three year um, course, so two year minimum. Um, and it's important to know that when you're thinking of applying, because you need to ensure that you've got enough time left for your training. Um, so it's two two or three years. Um, in my case, it's based over Bristol and Cardiff. Um, so that you have, a, in my case, I had a year in, in Cardiff and um, I'll have just over two years in Bristol, um, just because I'm less than full time. Uh, and it really um, involves um, most of your daytime is, is doing endocrine and diabetes and um, and that's split so that you get opportunities to, to attend clinics in both. And very much it's, as I said, it's a um, specialty where it's quite clinic based. So during your training, you will spend a lot of time in clinic. Um, we do also have some inpatients, uh, both for diabetes, obviously the new diagnosis patients, but also those with DKA. Um, and then uh, we also um, would be covering on-call rotors as well doing other other specialties so getting your experience in general and things based on based on doing your on-calls which is where we got to know each other <laughs> exactly <laughs> many many night shifts hanging out together indeed <laughs> yes yeah um are there any sort of specific posts that you have to do within those two or three years um, so within those two or three years, you, you obviously do need to make sure that you get enough experience in both diabetes and endocrine. Yeah. So you, you're expected to complete the same as somebody who would be doing a spin in diabetes. So um, make sure that you achieve the same competencies and that you attend the same um, requirements um, within the spin diabetes curriculum um, and then for endocrinology um, again as I say it's making sure that you're attending enough clinics but also attending some of the specialist clinics so making sure that you get to see um, some of the things such as the metabolic bone disease clinics um, the late effects clinics for children who've gone through um, treatment for um, oncology uh, so those are those are important clinics to be attending as well during your training um, and you're expected to have covered those those during your time. I think that sort of leads quite nicely actually onto the next question which um, was are there any sort of specific requirements that you need to have achieved by the end of your training? Is it mostly sort of competencies based and making sure you're going to clinics and doing those sort of 
um, specialist kind of tests and showing that you can do those? Or is there anything extra? Um, so I think endocrinology, as I say, it's it's very much um, there's a lot going on in the in terms of research and it's very much being able to have an understanding of that as well. Um, it used to be that it was expected that people would have a PhD possibly even before applying for grid training but now it's certainly expected that during your grid time you do get some experience in research and have a period of time in research and that is very actively encouraged and is something that you you should do during your your training time um, you know whether that's a PhD or whether it's just having a specific block where you have time to do some research. Mm. So it seems like there's quite a lot of different opportunities to sort of get involved in like an area that you're interested in with the kind of research side of it. Yeah, and absolutely, as I think everybody who chooses paediatrics discovers, it's not um, once you've chosen paediatrics that you then find yourself having to make further and further choices. Um, so, yeah, once you've decided that you're doing paediatric endocrinology and diabetes, then there are, again, opportunities to specialise within that as well. So um, <laughs> just literally about to sort of say it seems quite a specialised area. <laughs> um, but and you were really fortunate, it seems, from your kind of story and your journey kind of to this point with, that you were fortunate to to get posts when you were an ST2 and then um, further experience like a whole year of um, diabetes and endocrine. What would you um, sort of recommend or suggest to trainees who have got an interest in endocrine and diabetes and are wondering whether or not, you know, this might be a, um, either a, a grid specialty or a spin interest um, that they might want to do? How would they get um, experience from that? I mean, obviously, with, with anybody who's got a particular interest, flagging it early to your training programme director and letting people know early on so that if there are opportunities um, to have placements within that specialty, then, then that obviously gives you the best exposure. Um, but that's not always possible. And I think that is understood when people are going for grid training um, applications. Uh, so it is trying to make sure that you get some time um, to at least sit in some clinics and understand what's involved. Um, do speak, you know, we're a friendly bunch in endocrinology and diabetes and do come and speak to, you know, the consultants or the trainees um, to see if you can get some experience. Um, obviously, it's a bit difficult in the time of COVID as far as um, sitting in, in, in clinics. Um, but, uh, you know, it may even be possible to help sort of sit in with attend anywheres or virtual clinics and just get some idea of what's going on. Um, ideally, if you are going to be applying, you do need to show that you've had um, an interest. Um, and if you are able to get involved in any projects, any audits, obviously there is overlap with general in, in several areas. And even if you're able to do a project within general paediatrics, but which has an endocrine or diabetes slant, then obviously that would be very helpful for your for your grid application um, and, and also things like QI projects as well. Uh, there is obviously a lot of time uh, with our diabetes patients where they may be managed by general paediatricians too. So it's, yeah, getting those, those opportunities and, and trying to think around how you might be able to help yourself to get some exposure as well as talking to, to people about getting some time in clinic. Wow. Um, so, have you, have you, um, have you got any sort of specific um, advice for um, that you would sort of suggest for trainees who are wanting to apply for diabetes and endocrine 
know we've kind of touched on it a little bit um, with sort of getting involved in projects and things. Any other sort of top tips? Yeah, so there are also um, uh, the British Society of Paediatric Endocrinology and Diabetes. They have a conference each year, which also has a medical education day on the first day. Um, obviously, if you're able to attend that or, or go to the CME day, the, the Continuing Medical Education Day on at the start of the conference, that obviously would be really helpful and very interesting and would obviously give you a nice broad um, view of, of endocrinology as well. There is also um, a retreat for trainees in endocrinology that happens every year. Um, it is mainly open to grid um, people who have a grid placement but they do also have um, some slots left over sometimes which which other people can apply for and and try to get into as well and obviously if you were able to do that again that would that would be excellent and would give you a good experience but would also give you the opportunity to talk to to current grid trainees to get a good understanding before you apply very good networking opportunity there um, yeah. It sounds it sounds um, it sounds very luxurious. A retreat for um, endocrine and diabetes. It yeah, like it's, it's, actually, it's actually a virtual day on Saturday. This coming Saturday, so that oh. might be less less retreatish. But maybe you know, I'll make myself a nice coffee. Nice coffee. No face masks or sort of spa treatments or anything else going on. Just uh, oh, you made me think. Now I might have to buy a face mask. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that would be a great look when you kind of pop up on the video chat. (laughs) (laughs) So um, moving on to sort of chatting about um, the interview, because I think people who are um, sort of listening to this podcast, they're applying, they've got, you know, they know they're passionate about um, endocrine and diabetes and they want to know um, how, what's the sort of, um, what do they need to do to get the interview? What's the sort of top tips? for getting um, that sort of highly sought after interview in the first place? So I would say absolutely give yourself time and read, read, read what's on the website. So um, it really helps you and guides you through on the Royal College website when you go onto the grid applications, grid specification details, on there it actually tells you exactly sort of how they long list and how they short list um, and gives you even the sort of scoring system on there and I think it's really important when you do your application to work through that um, and, and you know, try and make sure you put something in every box and that you're able to, to score as highly as you can based on those person specification. Um, and, and it's important to know that actually that counts as 25% of your your score that goes forward when you go into your interview. So it's really good to get that as as best as you can. Um, As far as the interview, um, the interview is going to ask you about those things that you put on your form. So if you're putting them on your form, make sure you know what you've written and make sure you know um, what it is and how you can evidence it and how you can talk about those things as well. So that's that's really, really important. Um, and they also talk about sort of essential and desirable. Obviously, if you can tick both, brilliant. So, you know, if you can make sure you've got something something there, that's, that's really good. Um, what they want to know in the interview is that you know what you're applying for. So they want to know that you have spoken to people who are in this in the area do you know what the final job would look like so what it would actually be to be a tertiary pediatric endocrinologist and diabetologist 
that you know about um, how you would work within a region um, and how you would be working um, in a network with shared care as well and, and, and all of those things they want to know that you understand that that sort of final final job is important um, and then they really want to know that you're passionate about it they want to know what you've done how you've um, gained some experience how you've potentially already done some work to to further sort of endocrinology and diabetes um, and what you if you haven't done that at least be able to talk about what you might like to do or what you think you could possibly do so that's that's important to think about as well and is there sort of scope on the application for talking about um, other things, maybe like teaching, leadership, um, research, that's maybe not diabetes endocrine specific, but might sort of have other um, aspects that they might be looking for? Absolutely. So when you look at those, when you look at that scoring system, quite a lot of it is around generic skills. So exactly what you're talking about, um, you know, have you done QI projects? Have you done audit? Have you um, done teaching? And on what level has your teaching been? So yes, absolutely. Those are those are generic skills that aren't specific to endocrinolo endocrinology and diabetes. I can't say it now, Alice. You, you've got me thinking about it. Um, endocrinology. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So absolutely, yes. Those generic skills are looked for, and they want to know that you've you've got some experience in sort of management and leadership things. So yes, anything you can draw in for, from things you've done in the past is is excellent. Well, that's fab. I think often we, um, as trainees, we sort of downplay what we um, have to do anyway as part of prizing and portfolio. But I think you can sort of lots of things can count and we we don't often recognize that these are things that we we're doing anyway as part of our training yes yeah and also they also want to know things like have you been doing reading around the subject is there any paper that's interested you is there something that you've seen that you know has sparked your interest in this subject in this area so yes absolutely those those sort of things as well that you you know you can do in your own time you don't need to be sat in a specific clinic to to be able to learn about learn about endocrinology and diabetes Absolutely. We've always got to do um, the journal club presentation. So maybe choose choose an endocrine diabetes one or something like that just to yeah to show you absolutely. The so um so we've touched on the interview a little bit already, but sort of focusing a little bit more on that, um what would you what would be your sort of top tips for how a trainee should get ready for the interview? So I'm sure we all have our own own ways to sort of prepare and, and keep ourselves calm and relaxed. But absolutely, it it is a chat. It's, you know, it is an opportunity to sell yourself and uh, talk about all those things that you've done in the past. And as you say, we sometimes think we haven't done that much. But actually, when you start looking at all the different projects and things you've been involved in, you will have done lots and do you know just make little notes to yourself keep a little checklist you don't want to be sounding too rehearsed or sounding like you've done you know too much preparing in that way but just make sure you know what's on your application form have a little read through that before you go in make sure you know if you've got some little notes reminders of things you thought oh actually I didn't put that in my application form but this was something really excellent that I did you know, make sure you, you've got those things so you can remember them when you when you go in. 
Um, and I would say, obviously, I imagine at the moment that, that all the interviews are going to be virtual. Um, another good thing to do is actually have a little practice of getting everything set up, making sure you know what you're doing, work out where you're going to be in your house, make sure like with doing this podcast we have all the right equipment um, um, so that you can feel totally relaxed about those things and they're not also playing on your mind when you're about to go in um, but everybody when I went for my grid interview everybody was really friendly and really lovely and they did really you know they've already shortlisted you they've already looked through that application form and think you're good enough they want to make sure that you are that person and they want to just get that little bit more from you so it's yeah it, it's a friendly um, and good opportunity to, to say what you're interested in, say about, talk about your passion. Absolutely. Um, so with this in mind, are there any sort of good resources? If people are sort of thinking, maybe they're listening to this and they're thinking they're going to apply for GRID in, in a few years time, or, or they're about to do the interview soon, are there any good resources that you've you've got that you think actually that would be a really helpful thing to have a little look through so I do think look at some papers beforehand look and see um uh you know what's what's recent talk to current trainees because they may be able to advise you as well um uh, about interviews you might be able to have a little practice with one of them do you know talk to people and and um talk to your local trainees we talk to me if you want whoever is around and um, we'd be very happy to to you know help you and and talk through you know um how you might prepare and the sort of questions that might come up oh any uh, are you allowed to give us any ideas about what sorts of questions come up um well i think it is around the things I was saying about um, making sure you know what the final job looks like, making sure you know what you've put on your form. They really want to check that it was you that did that. There are some cases, but nothing that would be surprising. Just, you know, do have a little read um, about endocrinology. Make sure um, there is a little Oxford handbook that's quite helpful. You can have a, a look through some of the conditions to make sure you've got those in your head. Um, it would also be important to know, you know, there's a recently a new um, DKA guideline, things like that, making sure that you have all of those things um, that you've at least looked at so that you might be able to have a discussion around those if they if they came up. Okay. And when, when candidates are um, answering questions as well, any sort of top tips on how to structure their answers to to make them sound better or to be able to sell themselves more any top tips yeah so I think it's it's quite easy to sort of and I'm probably doing it now it's quite easy to rattle on <laughs> I think it's um I always think it's quite good to tell them what you're going to tell them so yeah so I would try and structure it so that I would say I'm going to tell you about my past experience what I've done and what I'd like to do and you know I, I make sure however you're going to put it that you sort of tell them how you're going to do it so give yourself a little sort of run in before before you start because actually it gets your brain thinking like that as well yeah so it kind of structures your you're kind of structuring your answer and signposting to what you're going to talk about in a way exactly and then it makes them it makes it easier for them particularly if you've looked at how the scoring system works on the person's specification you know that you can almost imagine they've got their tick boxes in front of them and what they really want to hear is those keywords 
So making sure that you get those in and that they're able to tick them off. Oh, great top tips there. Um, so last, just as we're sort of tying things up now, how long does the interview actually last for? Oh, I can't remember. That's terrible, isn't it? It feels pretty fast. I seem to remember it. I seem to remember it felt quite fast. Um, uh, possibly because I was talking too much. Um, but yes, it 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 doesn't. There weren't lots of long pauses. They keep it moving through it, so it didn't feel like it, it went on forever. It it felt quite quick. Yeah. So I just wanted to say a massive thank you to Georgina for coming, having a chat, and giving us all her top tips about um, endocrinology and diabetes. I'm very proud of myself that I just managed to say that once again. <laughs> um, but yeah. It was my pleasure and it was lovely to chat to you, Alice. I really would like you to say thank you to me in Welsh now, though, because I have missed it. The and Georgina. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> And I just wanted to say thank you to Alice and Georgina for an excellent um, set of tips there for us. Good luck to anyone applying for endocrine and we'll see you next week on Dragon Bites. So the final challenge before we um, wrap it up, uh, can you say endocrinology three times in a row fast? <laughs> <laughs> Endocrinology, endocrinology, endocrinology. Woo! <laughs> oh, your turn, Alice. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll try. Endocrinology, endocrinology, endocrinology. Woo, I did it. Excellent. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> yeah, and you can, cut a, you can cut out a few endocrinologies in that podcast. <laughs> <laughs>